Good morning, everybody. We uh, had a pretty interesting time uh, at our house on Friday, uh, or actually it was Thursday. Thursday, my wife, Tisa, got in a wreck and rolled the car. She was actually up on Five Mile taking a detour uh, because the road was under construction, went down a dirt road and uh, that had a lot of loose gravel and rock, and the car kind of got out of control, started fishtailing, hit an embankment, rolled it several times, and uh, it was a very scary moment. You know, the car is completely mangled, and uh, we brought her to the hospital and put her in the neck brace and the backboard and all of that, and uh, she checked out completely fine, woke up, didn't feel bad in the morning or anything. It was, isn't that amazing? She's completely okay, and God, God was just merciful and, uh, man, just a miraculous, miraculous kind of protection and recovery from that. And uh, so it made me think how, how much, you know, how can you not go through that and go, man, I appreciate this woman. She is an amazing wife and an amazing mother and, um, and just brings you back to the core of what's really important, doesn't it? I want to look this morning at uh, what's really important and something that's um, kind of at the core, the core of the Bible, maybe the core of our faith. It's one of the best known verses, one of the simplest verses, and yet power-packed with meaning. And uh, maybe you know which one I'm referring to, which is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him, whoever trusts in him, shall not perish but have everlasting life. What I want to do is just focus for a moment on that one passage and break it apart and just look at some of the words that stand out in that. It's easy to know that, memorize that, read it over and go, yep, I think I, I got that one down and, uh, and, and miss sometimes some of the depth and the meaning behind it. And so let's look at it. Just piece by piece. Let's start with the very first part, God. For God. God is the greatest subject on the planet, right? The word God is a subject that people have thought about, reflected over. They've written around it. They discuss it. They study it. They dream about it. It's the greatest subject that we could ever talk about. It's the most famous verse. And to think about God as this glorious, glorious, amazing, all-powerful, all-knowing being, because God is so big, he's so wonderful, he is the greatest subject that we could ever talk about. And that's a really good thing to be aware of because there's a very practical application, and that is that if God is the central character in the story of planet Earth, if God is the most amazing and he is the center part, the greatest subject of all existence, then that means that I'm not. That means that you're not. That we are not. That we're not the most important person on the planet. And I, I think about that. It's easy to get self-focused, isn't it? Get caught up in the busyness. Get caught up in your own needs, your own wants, your own problems and begin to think that somehow the world revolves around me. Of course, those of you who are mothers know it doesn't. 
you know that, you figure that out really fast, right? You want a baby, you get what you want, you find out now life will not be about you for the next 30, 40, 50 years, right? And then, and then you find out that all of your hopes, all your desires, all your dreams, everything's wrapped up in this tiny, demanding little creature who wants their own will, their own way. They have their own needs and their own wants. And one of the hardest things that you're going to have to do is teach them that their wants and their needs and their very personhood is not the center of the universe, but God is, that he is, and that every mom needs to know that, but every mom also instills that into their kids. Who's, who's one of the best mothers you can think of in the Bible? And there are a lot of them. One that comes to my mind is Mary, you know, raised the only perfect kid. And uh, you'll remember when, when she found out she was going to be a mother, her immediate response was this song of worship or this prayer to God where she said, my soul magnifies the Lord, that I, I want my life to be about God. I want this kid's life to be about God. I, I want our family to be centered around God. And that we look, when, we, when we discover that God being at the center is not just what makes a great mom, but it's what makes a great human being, that when God is at the center and we remove ourselves out of that central place, the greatest verse in the Bible starts with God. So God, for God, for God. He so loved the world, right? He loved. And the biggest subject of the world is God, and the greatest affection of the world is God's love. He's the most affectionate being in the world. Now, I know Mother's Day for many is a good day. It's a happy day. Maybe you're married, you have kids, uh, you, your kids actually like you, you like them, your mom's still alive. It's a really good day. For others, Mother's Day is a very difficult day, a very hard day. And maybe you're here and you feel that. Maybe because your mom is not with us anymore, that she's, she's in heaven. And this is you, it's a reminder. Mother's Day is a reminder that, that you miss her, that you love her, you wish she was here. Or maybe you wanted to have kids and haven't yet been able to have kids. Or maybe, maybe you're a stepmother and you have a blended family and you're in a really difficult place right now. Maybe you're single. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. But for a lot of people, Mother's Day is a very difficult, difficult time and a difficult day. And this Bible verse is one that's important to remember that God so loved. He loves you. That he loves you. That moms go through a lot of difficulty, a lot of hard days. There are days when you feel like you've blown it, that you've just stepped over the edge and just made a terrible decision, or you've got a regret. Other days, maybe you feel like a failure. There are times when you feel lonely, and every mom goes through that. And the key is to remember that you are loved by God. When you feel unlovable, God still loves you. I love this verse in Isaiah 54. It says, For though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. That you can't shake God's love off of you. Doesn't matter how much you try or how big you blow it. He's there to love you. Deuteronomy says, for the Lord your God is a merciful God, and he will not abandon you. Even if your own tribe turns against you, God will not. He's always there. The Apostle Paul said this in the book of Romans about God. He said, 
I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't, life can't, angels can't, demons can't, our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell cannot keep God's love away. So if you don't get anything else out of today, please leave with that, that God so loved. He loves. The prophet Isaiah was trying to explain the love of God, and he didn't use the love of a father or the love of a dad. He used the love of a mother. And he said this in Isaiah 49. God said this directly. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. The prophet is struggling to try to convey the type of fierce love that God has. And so he comes up with this analogy of a mother. And how could a mother forget her own child, right? And I remember, I mean, a moms don't typically forget. Now, a dad, you never know. It depends what's playing, right? Who's playing? Once we lost Zach, he was about five years old, and we were at a big church event. It was on a Wednesday night. It was around 10 p.m. Everybody, a couple thousand people filed out into the big grassy lawn. We look around, and he's nowhere to be found, and we start freaking out. Maybe you've experienced that panic, that moment when you look around and your kid's not there. And we looked everywhere. We're yelling for him, wondering. The worst thoughts are going through our mind. Finally, I go to the car where we parked, and I look in the back seat. There he is, curled up. He had just got bored with the church deal. And he went and he, he found his sleeping spot on the back seat of our car. And we found him. And man, it was crazy. Tisa and I to this day still have arguments about whose fault it was when Tisa <laughs> left Zach all by himself that day. The point is moms don't generally forget their kids, but dads can, you know. God's saying that even if the mother did, even if she forgot her infant, he says, I will not, I will not. I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. And what, is, what do we call that, an engraving on the palms of your hands or on your shoulder? It's a tattoo that God has your name tattooed on, your, on his hands. When Jesus came to this earth and nails were driven through his hands and he hung on the cross, we we found how costly that tattoo actually was. He said, how can I forget you? See, God, the greatest subject, his love, the greatest affection. And then, of course, the world. He so loved the world, the greatest object of his love. The world is the greatest object ever. And the world isn't just talking about the planet. It's talking about uh, all of humanity, especially humanity that has turned their back on God and gone a different way, defiant human beings, that God so loved the world. He doesn't divide his children up into pretty and ugly, rich and poor, smart and dumb, Republican and Democrat, Christian and non-Christian. God just loves the world, and he just can't stop loving. And every mother, I'm sure, knows what it means to just love, even when Someone is unlovable on the outside. See, when God sees you, he sees potential. He sees somebody marked with his image. And this week, when you're out, when I'm out, and we run across people that maybe you struggle with, maybe with their value, maybe it's a homeless person on the corner or a lonely kid in school or 
the person in the office that nobody really likes and wants to hang out with. Maybe it's somebody that's struggling with a disability or an elderly person in a nursing home or the, the kid that nobody wants to ask out on a date. Whatever it is, what if we were to look at that person through the lens of, that God has, that God has made? God looks at people with value, with potential. God, the greatest subject, so loved. The greatest affection, the greatest subject and the greatest affection, the greatest object, the earth. All of us. He loved the world. He loved us. And he gave his one and only son. See, giving is what love does. If love is a feeling, then giving is what you do. Love is far more than a feeling, obviously. And why do we give? We give things to people because we love. And God gave us the very best gift he could ever give, and that was his one and only son. He gave. I think of my own mom. She's here today, and what a giver she has been in my life, not only giving life, but also uh, just as I've watched her uh, give of her time, her love, sacrificially, and, and giving out to the world around her. She's traveled on mission trips and given the gospel through Christian clowning uh, throughout, throughout uh, many parts of the world and has given of her resources. And, and I just look up to my, my mom. I've been very blessed to have such a generous and amazing mother. And I wanted to introduce her to you if I can. Would you like to meet her? Come on up, Mom. This is mom. <laughs> and uh, I asked her if she would help me kind of give, I, you know, she has a lot of experience. She's dealt with some kids that were easier like me, and then <laughs> some that were harder like my brother. Um, and I, I just thought it would be cool to have her give a couple words of advice or wisdom or just learn a little from your life in a couple moments that we have together. Is that okay? Sure. All right. Absolutely. Good. So it's so great to be here. Yeah. It's so great to be with you. You've been here before, but you've yes. been in makeup before yes. with clowning. So this is, this is actually what she looks like. And uh, she's done uh, clowning. Which do you prefer? Uh, well, I like this look best. Yeah. So what was it like? Well, let me just share quickly because we don't have time for all the details. But, you know, five kids, four boys, one, one girl. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'll let her tell you about us. But, but uh, you know, the, all of them within seven years, right? Five kids within five. seven years. Right. And so it's kind of a handful, three in diapers at any given time. And, and, and then, of course, went through a, a very difficult divorce, survived that and was remarried, then had a whole blended family. Uh, uh, That was challenging. And now, of course, she's a grandma and a great-grandmother. And uh, so what was it like to be you? (laughs) Well, first of all, I never had a pair of mom goggles. (laughs) But I will say that God was there through my entire life, raising my children. I did have five children. And I didn't realize that it was going to be a life about total survival. I had four boys first and one little girl last. And God did that for a purpose. But it was very difficult in the early years financially. It was very difficult 
in raising them so close, it was very difficult that they were wild, <laughs> that they were absolutely <laughs> out of control, and that they were into everything, and they came up with things I can imagine that they would. And um, I got to know the sheriff's department real well on first name <laughs> basis. <laughs> Didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Several of them. Yeah, yeah, I did. So I knew them all by heart, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I also made some trips down to the police station. And I, all right. And I also did a lot of community work with my boys. We cleaned that city up. You sure did. did. And I had to take them and be there with them every yeah. Saturday. And I worked all week, some of those weeks. Yep. But they're good memories. They really are. <laughs> they are. They are. God gives you that ability to really find them funny. And we laugh now, don't we, yeah, about we them? Do. We, we do, do. indeed. And um, yes, it was difficult, very difficult. Uh, I do want you to know I was raised in a church. I really had a tremendous faith in God. I knew Jesus, but I didn't have a relationship with him. And, um, but I did have faith, and I tried to pass it on to my children, but because of many circumstances, I think it was difficult for all of us, as uh, Pastor Mike said, uh, I did go through a divorce, and then I went into a blended family, and that kind of made it a little more difficult in some ways, wonderful in other ways. So how did you come to know Jesus Christ I came, in a personal way? In a personal way. Mm -hmm. Well, as my children started to grow, all of them, um, and we managed to get through those tough years of junior high and high school. They were pretty tough. Um, all of a sudden, in their late teens, and I would say their late teens, very early, early 20s, I noticed that my children uh, were starting to change. And my husband and I, we noticed it together, and we really couldn't figure out what in the world was going on. Why all of a sudden am I starting to see in my children what I had wished for all my life from the minute the first one was born. And that is a relationship in our family, a relationship with me, and a relationship with God. And then one day, I realized we were missing something. And my husband did too. So my, one of my sons that was still in Tucson took us to a church like this. And there was an altar call. And we made that. And from then on, God just came in like gangbusters <laughs> yeah. into our family. And our whole family dynamics changed and relationships started to build. And um, it was just became the wonderful family that I wished I always had, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which it still is to this day. Yeah, God makes the difference. Yeah, I, I know does. that in our family, we're a miracle of, yeah. of God's love and transformation that God took that initiative he did. in us and and in you guys, and my mom and my stepdad, they came to faith in Christ in their late 40s, and when they received Christ, they just began to grow like weeds. They just began to devour the Bible and began to, to uh, they got baptized, and they um, started to want to do mission work, and it was just crazy to watch them. You know, isn't that an amazing transformation when God enters into the life into our heart, and we have this personal relationship, how all of our affections and everything begins to change. Yes, and, it did. Uh, it's just amazing. Mm -hmm. So it what, tell us, 
looking back with the perspective you have now, as you look back on life, um, what would you share with some moms that are out here, some things that they, that might encourage them? All right. Um, I, I think one of the first things that I look back and, and I realize that through a lot of trial and a lot of problems and a lot of difficulties, uh, some really bad difficulties, um, I look back and I think that having a sense of humor through those is, is a God-given gift, and we all have it. We just need to find it sometimes. And mm-hmm. that's having a sense of humor throughout little or big things that happen to us with our children and our families and whatever. And I think that's real important to remember uh, when, if you're not having it, try to find something that will give it to you. Find some joy around you. There's joy around us. And try to keep that sense of humor all of your life yeah. as you watch your children grow up and their children and, and it just gets nothing but better. And that's one of the things I remember most about you is laughing a lot. <laughs> Having, you know, a pretty tough go through, through a lot of that journey of motherhood, but, but laughing, 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 always finding funny stories and humor, even in the, in the bad stuff. Well, thank you. Yeah. But I think it's important to do that, even though you're crying inside. I really do, because God will give it to you. Um, and, and I think the second thing that I, I really would love to share really quickly is that um, the most important thing is I look back over my life and I am 76, if you're all wondering, you know. I haven't a problem with telling my age. I feel I'm blessed. And, <laughs> and um, I think one of the biggest things that I see that God was there for me in every circumstance is that I always had this desire never, never to give up. And I don't use that word never very often. But in this situation, over a life, I think as a mom, never give up. Um, the story that Mike, of course, kind of lived through, too, is, and I'll share this one story with you, is that Mike's second brother, only about a year and 13, 14 months younger than him, and he was very close to him, uh, when he was in his early 20s, we got the diagnosis that he was paranoid schizophrenic, and that is a chronically mentally ill disease. It was very difficult. I didn't understand it, didn't know what was going to be happening to him, got him medical help as much as they knew and put him on medication as much as they knew. And uh, he had to drop out of college, he had to drop, he couldn't work, it became very, very serious. And then I got a call one day and I heard that he had taken all of his personal belongings and he had thrown them into a dumpster. And he was gone, absolutely gone. And and, uh, this was a very traumatic day as a mom. I ran down to where he was living near campus and sure enough, all his things were, were gone and he was gone. And at that point in time, something in me said, I will find him. I will do a search for my son. So I kept a journal. Some days I didn't keep it because they were pretty sad. Sometimes I thought I'd see him and I'd run down the street and it wouldn't be him. Sometimes I got in the car and would go down the street looking for him, wouldn't be him. And this went on and on and on for several, several months, but I never gave up. And then after Christmas, it was the worst Christmas of my life without ever knowing where he was. I didn't know if he was dead or alive, and I was not going to give up to find him. So my husband and I, we would dress after we got home from work in blue jeans and tennis shoes and go downtown Tucson, and we would go into the the worst of worst of places that we were told to go, into drug areas, into people were sprawled all over the floor. It It was unbelievable sights. And I carried a picture of my son with 
uh, my mom and dad with their arms around him. And I went to everybody. I didn't care what state of mind they were in. And I'd say, have you seen my son? Have you seen my son? And nobody would just, they wouldn't answer me or they'd shake their head no. We went to all the gospel uh, rescue missions, the Salvation Army, wherever you, we could go in Tucson, we asked. We, I went to the mental health group asking for where do we go to find my son. We, we actually followed through on everything. And it was really hard. I was so close to giving up, and I just kept saying, God said, no, keep looking for him, keep looking for him. And so one night, my husband and I, we were getting so tired looking. We all we worked the next day. But for some reason, God led us to a little, little, it was a Catholic rectory where the uh, priest was in there who was helped serving the, the people food. And we rang the doorbell, and he came to the door. And I said, oh, Father, have you seen my son? And I held him the picture. And he looked at it, and he looked at it, and he said, do you know, I have seen this man. I have seen him. And I could not believe. I just couldn't believe it. But, of course, all things are possible with God. So he said, I will call you the next time I see you, the next time I see him in our food line. Well, I waited. I waited weeks. No call, no call, no call. And then I got a call one day, and I ran down there, rushed down there, downtown Tucson, and he was gone. My heart was broken again, but I didn't give up. I came home about a, maybe 10 days, two weeks later, 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm at work, got that call from that priest. I headed out telling no one where I was going. There wasn't time. I didn't want to miss him again. I went downtown Tucson parked my car, ran to the food line, was already forming. They hadn't started to eat yet, but it was already formed about a half a block long. And I went from one face to the other, to the other, to the other, thinking, I'm going to find Matt. I'm going to find him. He's going to be in this line. I just know it. I know it. I got down to the end, and he wasn't there. And I remember just putting my head down and just going, God, God, where are you? Why are you not helping me find my son? And all of a sudden, inside of me, I heard, go back and start, go back on the line, go up from the back up to the front. I didn't understand it, but I did it. And I started looking closer at every face as I went back through the food line. And I got up almost to the front, maybe 10 people from the front. And I saw this little bundle sitting on the floor uh, or the ground. And I couldn't see a face. It had a hood and it was in rags and had a sleeping bag. And this voice in me said, go over to them. Go over to him. I went over, and I leaned over. Couldn't see him, but I said, Matthew. And all of a sudden, he looked up, and he said, Mother. I could not believe God had found my son. And I reached down, and I took his hand. And I said, come on, Matt. Let's go home. And I pulled him up, and he could barely walk. He was so weak. And I took him home. That's why I'm saying to all you mothers and everybody here, really, never give up when it looks like it's so impossible. It's not impossible with God. And to end the story, about two years ago, I lost my husband. And I had an opportunity with my church to go to Dream Center. And so it was only eight weeks later after he had passed. And I got in that van, and I went off to L.A. with our church group to Dream Center. And we were feeding the people down on Skid Row. Many of you probably have been there. I hadn't. And about the third day, I'm in, line, I'm in uh, the food line, and I'm feeding, and I put some scrambled eggs on this paper plate. 
and I reached out to hand it to this young man in rags standing there. His head was down. When I handed it to him, he looked up at me, and I looked at him, and we made eye contact. And I went, oh my gosh, I have just now had the privilege of feeding somebody else's son, like someone fed mine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Okay. So never give up. Never give up. Do you have a verse? I do have a verse. A verse that I started to say many, many years ago. You all know it, but it just always has stayed in my heart. And uh, it's, it's Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will guide your path. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Mom. Let me go down. I'll let you, I'll let you sit down. Can you? Let me go down. Please. Yeah. Okay. Pretty proud of my mom. She's pretty cool. So that verse that I opened up with, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever means whoever. Whoever will. Whoever will place their trust in him. See, God has a way of changing the trajectory of our lives. If you don't like the trajectory you're on right now, if you don't like the direction that your life is headed in, God can change it. God can change your family. God can change uh, your kids. God can change you. And I just want to encourage us today just to make him the center. Make him the center of your life. Come back to the simple things. He's searching for you. He'll never give up on you because he wants to know you and he wants you to know him. He wants a relationship, not just to know about him, but to know him. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you that you've engraved us on the palms of your hand, that your love will never end, that we can't shake your love off of us, and that you loved us personally so much that you sent your son to die on a cross for us, to love us, forgive us, and set us free. And if that's you, you just... You're here. God is speaking to you. God is wanting to pour in some fresh hope into your life and maybe even change the trajectory of your life. Will you place your trust in him today? And you can. And I want to pray with you. I invite you to pray with me. Jesus, come into my life. I know about you. I know a lot. But Lord, I, I pray. I want that relationship with you. Would you save me? Would you forgive me? Would you love me? Would you just cleanse me, Lord? And I want you to be the center of my life. Not me at the center. Not even my kids at the center. You at the center of my life and of my family. I pray that in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray your blessing upon each and every mom. I pray your blessing on each and every one of us today that we would value 
we would value what you've placed in and around us in the, in, by way of relationship. And God, that we would just appreciate it and love it and love you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.